comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. So slow news week this week. Yeah, yeah, not much in the superhero world. Nah. Uh, roughly fifteen movies announced over the next twelve years. <laughs> We're jam packed to twenty twenty. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy times. It's so much fun. Uh, you know, the cockeyed optimist that I am, I guess. You know, you assume everything's just going to be great because we're on such a great roll. Um, so it's so exciting to like anything that you can think of could be a movie at this point. You know what I mean? Like yep. your favorite story, your favorite heroes, your favorite uh, world. It could all be a movie or a TV show. Yep. So should we start with the the big news? I guess we'll do news then before we talk about the episode because it's it's way more than I thought it was going to be. Yes, let's just say that it's all connected as the show that you are listening to. It is. And this is what, episode 35? 36. 36. And uh, this is John, and you are Russell. I am. And hopefully Ken will uh, conquer his computer demons as we speak, and uh, maybe he'll be joining us a little later. But yes, the news, the news, the news. So the big news is, and this hasn't, I don't think this has officially been released from Marvel yet. They haven't really commented on it. Um, or I guess it, it does, uh, uh, it, it is an announcement from, from Marvel, um, that Robert Downey Jr. is going to reprise his Tony Stark Iron Man role in Captain America 3, and the word is it's going to be the Civil War storyline. Crazy. Insane. Um, Apparently he's getting forty million, with a with a back end participation as well. So I'm sure Chris Evans probably went home and uh, started cursing and throwing stuff after that news because uh, I'm sure his his uh, take of that prize is nowhere close to that. It's uh, it's really crazy, and and it's one of those things that. If you've been listening to Robert Downey on his tour for The Judge, is that the name of the movie? Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously he gets a lot of Iron Man and Marvel questions, and he's been saying that there, you know, not there's not going to be an Iron Man four, but he hasn't been denying anything else. And people then sort of say, "Oh, do you mean then you might be in more Avengers movies?" And he says, "Well, I'm contracted. You know, I'm, I'm." Uh, I have to be in at least one more Avengers movie. And he's kind of been, after you know that this is going on, the interviews make a lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, he's been saying crazy stuff, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> he'd do Iron Man 4 if Mel Gibson directed. And, you know, I think he was on, either it was Ellen or something, and some and she asked him, so that means you're doing Iron Man 4? And he's like, yeah, sure, yeah. Right. So yeah. It's, it's just been, like, craziness after craziness. Uh, and I don't know if part of that was... 
he knew what the scoop was and his attorneys were just ironing out the final, you know, bits of the deal. And he was just kind of, you know, like, let's play along. Let's, you know, let's play this out. Let's see how insane we can drive people and just say crazy stuff every time somebody asks me because I'm tired of hearing about it every time. Right. Um, and, and just for the, I think part at least of our audience is uh, in it for the TV show and the movies and might not know what is the big deal about Civil War. And we're not going to do that whole thing right now. But the basic idea is uh, there is a registration act uh, because superheroes are always causing destruction and killing people as they're in the uh in the you know while they're saving the day and having these huge battles in New York City and elsewhere uh, there's a lot of collateral damage and so iron man believes that superheroes should be registered their secret identity should be known um they should be registered as you know meta humans uh so that they can be held accountable if need be for any of their actions and um Captain America is on the other side of that coin, and there is a big, like, superhero war, uh, for lack of a better term, and without going into the details of the entire story. Um, so that's kind of crazy for the movies, because it would pit Iron Man against Captain America. Yep. And it's it's even... So I'm guessing something is going to have to happen in the next Avengers movie that would set this up, because... If we recall from Iron Man 2 and from the Avengers, Tony is very much on the anti-side of that argument. I mean, he, you know, stood up before a select committee in Congress and said, you you know, it's my suit. You're not taking it from me. It's mine. You know, he, he didn't want Rhodey to have it. You know, all this, you, you know, just this whole big show about what's going on. Uh, and so if, if he, if they truly do civil war and that's the way it goes, then that'd be a pretty big departure. Yeah, it's almost like the roles should be reversed. Yes. Right? Yes. Like Captain America would be all about following the law and what the government decides is the right thing to do. And Tony would be more of the rogue, you know, liberal uh, side of it. So yeah. there is going to take some doing. But now you have, you know, the events of the Winter Soldier and S.H.I.E.L.D. going under and stuff. Maybe that puts Captain America on the other side of it who can I trust type of thing. They've been lying to me the whole time. You know, that sort of pits him on the right side. I don't know how we get Tony on the registration side, but yeah. there's a lot of, uh, a lot of Ultron coming in between now and then. So, yeah. and it's all speculation. I mean, for all we know, Tony could be on Steve's side and there, you know, that's the whole bit is he kind of comes in to team up. Right. To say this is, it. Yeah, this yeah. is all nonsense. And, you know, maybe it's Rhodey and, you know, a bunch of those guys that are on the, the other side of it. But it almost seems like to do this right, it would have to be another Avengers movie. I mean, the one thing with Civil War, like you were talking, John, is it involved tons and tons, every hero in the Marvel Universe, pretty much. Everybody had to take a side. Uh, and so for them to put that in a cap movie seems kind of strange. But, uh, that and the Russo brothers, I guess, a couple months ago, and, you know, who knows, it's all subterfuge and nobody wants to admit to anything and secrecy and everything else. But the Russo brothers flat out denied that cat, that Civil War would be the, the thesis for Captain America 3. So who knows? I mean, who knows? Right. What we do know is that 
Tony Stark, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. Jr. will have a huge part in it. Yeah. Yes, that's that is what true. we know. And I must say that when this news first broke, it was I think it was Jason Ritter that posted this in our uh in our actual long box of doom uh Facebook page uh for the network. And I was like, yeah, I'm calling BS on this. Like, I, I was flat out like, I don't think this is, I think this is somebody's wishful thinking. Uh, and then you posted in the It's All Connected Facebook uh, group that it was from Variety. And usually if Variety posts something, it's pretty reliable. Yeah. Uh, so I had to kind of eat my words a little bit. But, uh, but exciting times. I mean, I, I think that's what makes these single movies fresh is by having you know, more than just the single hero in it. I mean, I think that's what made the Winter Soldier so compelling because it had um, Black Widow and it had Falcon and it had the Winter Soldier. Uh, and so for them to be going up and basically making Cap 3 a team-up movie, I think is a smart move. Yeah, and there's been a lot of other talk, too, about what Marvel is planning in terms of, like, phasing out this first wave of heroes that they've brought into, you know, phase one and phase two of the movies. You know, their contracts are going to run out. They're going to get older. You know, eventually they're going to have to move on. So I don't know, you know, what the crescendo is going to be and how they're going to go about, you know, do these other heroes kind of just fade into the black and you bring in new ones or are there going to be deaths, you know, betrayals? It it should be really interesting these next uh, several years. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And there's some wild speculation about... Uh, the, I think maybe we'll save it to the end about Avengers Age of Ultron that might kind of lend some credence to what's going on with Cap 3. Yeah. Um, and, and we have to mention, even though it's for a different podcast, and if you listen to our uh, DC TV podcast on the network, they'll probably talk a lot more about this. But it's like DC is just freaking out. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, well, you're going to do Civil War where we're going to do Suicide Squad and bring in Brainiac and <laughs> Aquaman and every, uh, you know, it's wild times. It really is. I mean, I don't know how many of these end up getting made when it's all said and done, but yeah, the slate right now is unbelievable. We see your slate of three movies that you've officially announced and we raise you five more. Yeah fooey on it all being connected we're gonna have three different flashes and yeah different ones on tv and the movies and it's crazy yeah it really is it's so cool though and you know and again we we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the rumors that like apparently there's some dialogue about spider-man possibly coming back in some way um, yeah which is cr- just crazy yeah it, uh... I could I see that as a little more plausible, sort of. I mean, not to get too far off track on the Sony thing, but Spider Man still made over seven, almost seven hundred million dollars worldwide, and I can't think of another Sony movie that made almost seven hundred million dollars worldwide. So, I I don't think there. Were, I I could I could see if Sony two things. One, Sony could pony up a little bit of cash to help with the budget. Marvel can get a little relief there. And then Sony gets a few points on the movie. So basically, they would just be lending that talent and that property. And it's almost like a no-lose situation for Sony. Like, what do they have to lose? If they could keep doing their thing and they can, you know, lend out Spider-Man to exist in that universe, then, you know, how do they, how do they come up on the downside of that? 
And the real interesting part to me, again, all speculation, but when we brought up, we didn't bring it up, when it was brought up that Civil War could be where this was headed, a lot of the people's first reactions were, well, there are no secret identities in the Marvel Universe. You know, why would they have to register? Nobody has a secret identity. Spider-Man is the perfect guy with the secret identity. He's huge in the Civil War story. Because Peter's whole, Peter Parker, his whole existence is keeping his identity secret so it doesn't keep hurting the people that he loves. Yep. So it all kind of quickly made sense. Like, of course they're going to bring in Spider-Man. That's the only way Civil War works. But, you know, we can we can dream. Like we said, anything's possible now. So Yeah, yeah. So that's the big that's the big news. Uh, so I, I think we will know more. I mean, obviously, it's going to be coming soon because they're going to start filming Captain America three, in, I think February or March is when filming starts. Uh, early early twenty fifteen because it's got a, a May twenty sixteen release date. So uh, we'll we'll know a lot more pretty soon. Um, and my guess is that'll be the tag at the end of Avengers: Age of Ultron. And not a tag for Iron for Ant Man, but that again speculation. Um, The next bit of speculation in the ever growing saga of who's going to play Doctor Stephen Strange. uh, Now the name being thrown in the ring. Actually, there was there was a report today that came out that just put a bunch of or yesterday it was a bunch of craziness out there. Uh, So Ewan McGregor also is now being put out there as kind of another front runner. Uh, Him and Ethan Hawke are kind of like the two. Uh, front runners, I guess, but they've also thrown out um, Oscar Isaac, who is going to be in the the new Star Wars movie, the Episode Seven. He was the bad guy. If any of you saw Sucker Punch, he was the bad kind of the bad guy in Sucker Punch. Uh, they've thrown out Jake Gyllenhaal. They've thrown out, um, not thrown out as in as in gotten rid of, but but as right. an as a name to a possibility, Matthew McConaughey, which I don't see. Uh, Matthew McConaughey as Doctor Strange, but you you know what? I don't see it, but he would be batshit crazy. Yes, like it, yes. it would be it would be pretty awesome. You know what? I'd like to see the screen test. How about that? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then Jared Leto, who was, uh, I guess, after his Oscar performance where he had the or his Oscar show up where he had the super long hair. And the beard and stuff, like a lot of people were saying that. And apparently he's aggressively pursuing the part. So a lot of interesting craziness going on right now with uh, with Doctor Strange. I expect a, an announcement on that very, very soon. Because I think that's going to be the next one to go into production. Uh, which they haven't even announced, I don't think, an official date yet. So, But I, I think that's that one's going to be coming pretty quick. Right. Not too much Daredevil news really coming out of the the New York Comic Con panel, which I thought we would really get more. Uh, they did expand the cast a little bit, and they've named uh, some more some more folks that are going to be on the show. Uh, and it looks like Vondi Curtis Hall is going to be uh, playing Ben Urich. Toby Leonard Moore, who I'm not familiar with, is playing somebody called Wesley. Um, and then we finally got the the goods on Rosario Dawson that she's playing Claire Temple, um, a nurse that operates at night. So there's a lot of talk that she's going to play the night nurse. Yeah, uh, it sounds sounds logical. Yeah, uh, character um, from the comics. And Wesley is the owl. 
No, that's Owlsley. That's Bob Gunton is going to play Leland Owlsley. Oh, okay. I got the two guys confused. Okay. Yeah. I think this Wesley is the henchman to to the Kingpin, if I'm not mistaken. He's like his right-hand man. The, the one thing that I took out of the panel, which, um, you know, Marvel.com does, it puts up everything on YouTube. So if anybody wants to see the whole panel, we decided not to run them as part of the podcast. This, we have so much Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff going on that it was a little impossible um, with time. But um, w- when they were talking about how you're going to root for a kingpin a lot and you're going to, you know, it, it just brought to mind like Breaking Bad, like these morally ambiguous shows that are so popular now. Like it sounds like Matt's going to have to do like a lot of dirty things to get what he needs to do done. And Kingpin is going to be a character that, yeah, he does a lot of bad things, but it's for the right reasons at times. Didn't we also find out who Vanessa Fisk is? Did you say that? No. Uh, Aolet Zurer. Right. So just that character is sort of like it helps make Kingpin like sympathetic and more, you know, more human of how, you know, in love he is with Vanessa and everything. Um, so it just seems to me like it's going to be a really they keep using the word gritty. I hate the word gritty now. Yeah. But uh, it seems that's what they're going for. Like Matt's going to have to do some really bad stuff that's going to make you question him at times just like you know walter white or even Jax teller on sons of anarchy like stuff like that sure and we got to look at the costume and now i guess it was pointed out the first costume yes and it is right off the page of daredevil the man without fear series um that's a john ramita jr art that's correct yes it's frank miller john ramita jr art if you if you've never read daredevil and you have any kind of interest in Daredevil, uh, go out to Comixology or go out to your nearest comic shop or Barnes & Noble or head over to Amazon. Uh, actually, you can go to hhwlod.com. We have an Amazon uh, search up there. And search for The Man Without Fear because, it, like I said, if you have any uh, interest in Daredevil as a character and want to read something and have a, have a slight interest in the comics, uh, that series is phenomenal. It's from the early 90s. Uh, the art is just outstanding. Uh, and the writing is fantastic. So, yeah, and I, I guess what we were getting at is, um, in the early stages of Matt's career as Daredevil, he just kind of throws on a black sweatsuit and like a bandana that covers the top half of his face, um, and it looks like that the shot that we got of Daredevil is right off of that. You know, it's going to be his first attempt at going out at night, and it's not a superhero costume at all yet. And that'll be cool. You know, it'll be cool to maybe get two or three episodes that way before, you know, they they throw out the red flashy costume. That that would be kind of a cool thing to look forward to as you're watching it. You know, they want, you know, if you want something to kind of get people to, to queue up that next episode and to keep watching it, to kind of tease the, the, the costume out there is a, a good idea. Yeah, I think they're going to use a lot of fl- flashback for the origin and maybe the early days of... Uh you know, of, of Matt being Daredevil as well. And I would kill to see the yellow and red costume one time. That would be awesome. Like, yes. even in a flashback or just uh, even if somebody, you know, I don't know, like a, a montage of the career of him getting started and somebody being like, that's a terrible costume. Like, you know, how could you fight crime in a yellow? It's, you're like a target. Yeah. But it would be awesome. So I think that's all the news. I say all. I mean, that's 
Yeah, that's a ton. Yeah, that's probably it. I, th- I think we'll probably... And, and it's funny because the the Cap 3 stuff came out after uh, New York Comic Con. Just like yeah. the just like the DC stuff, it's like none of the movie stuff got any kind of real mention at the at the com- at you know New York Comic Con. It all kind of trickled out immediately thereafter. So, uh, I I think probably the next couple weeks will be a little light on news. Like I said, unless we get somebody pulling the trigger on uh, Doctor Strange, or if they announce maybe some of the other maybe now that DC has kind of played their hand is what they've greenlit through like 2020. Maybe Marvel will kind of loosen up a little bit and give us what's what's official further out than what they've confirmed already. Right. But we're here mainly to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Episode 4, I Will Face My Enemy. Yeah, and it, it kind of works out uh, that we would have a lot of news to talk about. Because while this episode was fantastic and everybody loved it, it they're really it it's not too in depth i don't think you know no. there was a lot of fast moving action the plot was really simple and uh you know not too many connections we we did get some you know uh flips and things that were cool but not too you know based more on fun loving stuff and action than uh you know some of the darker more in depth episodes we've had earlier it was a nice breather yeah and it was fun. I mean, yeah. You know, right off the bat, when they get out of the car, uh, you know, and and Clark's got his cufflinks and every, Clark, it's not Clark Reg, it's uh, Agent Coulson's got his cufflinks and everything that he's so proud of, and and May is like not happy to be there in this situation. Yeah, it was funny. It had a real like True Lies kind of vibe for me the whole time I was watching this episode. I just I just kept thinking True Lies, and obviously a lot of that has to do with. Uh, the you know the dance the dancing and and the ballroom and that kind of thing and then of course the action on top of it but uh, it it just kind of had had more of that li- that kind of lighthearted spy thriller stuff going on yeah and even like the the Indiana Jones uh, mention it wasn't really a mention but he said uh, laser grids why does it have why is it yeah. always laser grids like yeah. snakes why is it always snakes you yeah. know the little it it kind of showed like a self awareness you know that we're doing a fun-loving adventure episode here. So the the premise for this episode is that at the beginning, a church basically burns down and everything in it is destroyed except for this painting. And on the backside of the painting, they find, and this painting is like 500 years old, on the backside of the painting, they find that there's the writing from, you know, that we've seen uh, Garrett do, we've seen Coulson do it, we've seen the that writing on the obelisk, uh, so it's this mysterious, what we believe is Cree writing. Uh, and, of course, everybody kind of gets wind of that, and it's like a race uh, to get this painting. So it's, you know, on between um, Daniel Whitehall and, and his Hydra group and, you know, Coulson's agents of, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the, the U.S. government, and uh, I'm sure Raina, you know, plays in, in the background there as well. So it's just everybody's kind of converging on this thing to, to, to nab it. Yeah, and it feels like um, you've mentioned before, Russ, how it was interesting the way they had these different factions that were all that all had different agendas, and it, it seems to me after this episode that we're gonna get some uh, enemy of my enemy is my oh, friend yeah. type stuff. You yeah. know, I could see Reyna working with Shield very shortly. I can even see at some point Coulson having to team up with. Hydra or Whitehall, 
you know, because some crazy thing happens that threatens them both or wh- or whatever, and they just kind of have to agree to 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 duke yeah. it out later. I mean, that's you know, kind of typical plot points of these kind of things. But right, and certainly Talbot and the U.S. government could come to their senses and start working with Coulson again. I sure. Mean, good flip, good twist with uh with Talbot. Didn't see that coming. I, I saw that a mile away. I never see anything coming. Yeah. Because he was acting a little silly, like like almost like smiling too much, but still it was kind of funny. And he was being coy, like Coulson would say stuff, and you could almost tell that he uh, kind of didn't get it, but was just playing along. So it was it was a good job. Adrian Pazdar did a good job on the acting side of kind of playing somebody that should be in the know, but really isn't in the know. Um, and it was all predicated, obviously we saw it. Um, with May as well, but a return of the, I don't know what you call that, the, vir- the virtual face mask? the Yes, yeah, the, the digital face. The digital face from uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, better, better effects, I think, this season so far. Yeah, better effects, better choreography. Um, you know, that was one of the criticisms that we gave it a little early on. Uh, you know, that the choreography felt a little stilted, especially when we compared it to things at the time like Arrow that had a lot, um, and I'll use the word gritty even though even though I, I'm like you, I don't like the word gritty, but a little more hardcore with the fighting, a lot more brutal, uh, and, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. seemed like it was kind of uh, over, maybe overly choreographed, like it was just too clean. Right. But it was it was funny. The, the, the part that made me laugh the most in the whole episode was when Coulson had the group on the comlink, they were back on the plane, and May started trying to just kind of engage in small talk and started laughing and kind of acting like this cheery, bubbly, you know, personality. Right. It, it was just it was really cool to see her kind of stretch a little bit instead of always, you know, being the straight laced, deep voice, you know, never cracking a smile kind of kind of yeah, person. I- I think Sky says uh, that's more than she's talked to me in a year or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's sort of not depressing, but it it was sort of um, you know we got to see Ming Na do a lot of stuff that we know that she can do, but she hasn't gotten the opportunity to in this first season and and three episodes. You know, like we got to see that other the great range that she has. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, we've sort of been seeing this one note tough character the whole the whole way through. And the opening was cool, kinda of before all this started. We got to see May uh we got to see uh Sky on the Vespa, which was, was just kinda of funny seeing her with you know scoop yeah. scoop by because they were trying to, to get the you know, bad you know, clone the badge. Um We got to see Mac in the field. Now granted he got to play a limo driver, which whatever, but uh but it was cool to see him just not being in the garage all the time and not not with that group. Yeah, even though it, you know the group was kind of separated, and and this was obviously you know the Agent Coulson and Agent May show. Yeah, yeah which absolutely. was a nice you know it was a nice change from bouncing back and forth to all the different characters and and all their different side stories and everything the whole episode. It was kind of like a step back and let the stars do their thing. Um, and, you know, we got little bits and pieces at the end that will, you know, lead us to what's next. And the bits, again, back on the plane, too, with Fitz and the rest of the crew. I mean, it's kind of nice to see how that's 
starting to pull together. Yeah, I actually like Hunter, even though they all hate him. Yeah, he's kind of like, but he kind of knows it. Like, he knows yeah. people, you know, think he's overly arrogant and whatever, but he doesn't really care. Uh, I think I think he's a good addition. He has personality. I mean, and I think that's, you know, one of the th- one of the criticisms of that show, and I think it was it was valid in season one, was there wasn't as much personality on that show. I mean, when uh, yeah, uh, when uh, Paxton came in, I think that's when you know that's when some personality was kind of added. Uh, so it's nice to kind of have that that role being filled on the show this season. Uh, the episode was directed by Kevin Tancherone, and you may go, that sounds familiar. Um, Kevin Tancherone is Marissa Tancherone's brother, of course, showrunner of the show. Um, he's also directed the Machinima Mortal Kombat series. Remember the first two they did? Yeah, Legacy. Yeah, yeah, they did. I guess was it ten episode seasons. The first, the first two, they were like little what four yeah. to six minute deals. Yep, and then they they actually combined them and put them out on like Blu-ray. Yeah, and they end up being, you know, I don't know, an hour maybe or yeah. Uh, so obviously somebody well-versed in directing hand-to-hand combat, which, again, fit fit this pretty cool. Uh, and it was it was pretty good. There, you know, uh, you know, the big fight at, at the end was May fighting May, uh, or Agent 33, uh, and, and they did it pretty good. I mean, you know, obviously there's a few times you look at it and go, yeah, stunt double, stunt double. But again, for, for TV, actually a pretty good job. I mean, it was, a, it, was a good, it was a good fight between the two of them. Yeah, and he definitely threw in a Mortal Kombat fatality at the end. Yeah. When uh, that slow mo flip over head desk that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. That was awesome. Uh, you know, again, I, I think uh, you know, kicking up a notch in the uh, in the action department for sure. Um, but my favorite my favorite Mayism was uh, I guess when I, I guess one of the guys was uh, May. They asked May, um, "Where are you or or where are you at or something like that?" And she said, five feet from kicking your ass." <laughs> yeah. And then when they faced off again, she she kept the double kept kept going on and on and on. And and then May said, "If yeah, if you were me, you wouldn't talk so much." Yeah, it was funny too that they you know as soon as uh, they revealed that she was tied up to a chair, you know it makes you think of the Black Widow scene in the Avengers, and they just totally handle those uh, handle those two things differently. You know, like Black Widow's totally cool and charming the whole time or she'll try to seduce or or whatever and may is just straight faced yeah i'm gonna kick your ass you know (laughs) straightforward pretty funny oh colson and colson when the two of them are fighting each other colson is like man i can't believe i'm the only one seeing this (laughs) yeah yeah that was a good line (laughs) uh and of course talbot Talbot's always Talbot's always good. It was kind of I, I liked more at the very end when they were filling him in on the fact that everything that was going on, and he's like, "Wait a minute, what? There, somebody was, you know, posing as me, and uh, you know, they kept cutting in on his secure feed and all that kind of stuff." It was it yeah. was just kind of a cool like to see him that befuddled as to what was going on. I just thought that was a that was a cool exchange. I, I really, I Adrian Pazdar as, as Talbot has been a good addition to this cast. I mean, obviously we. We have a lot of fun with the whole, uh, you know, Twitter thing with the Talbot stash, but, uh, but, but again, just adding that other element is is kind of nice. I think this is probably a good opportunity to play our voicemail. Yes, it would be. Hey there, how you doing? This is uh, Talbot Stash. Calling to talk to those uh, Marvel podcast guys. How's it going? I uh, 
Now we had you going there for a little bit, huh? <laughs> you thought uh, we was working for Hydra. But uh, I'll tell you what, uh kind of wish we were because that Colson, you know, he's a bit of a downer sometimes. He's so serious. But uh, I don't know, man. May, this episode May, got to get it to her. It was pretty hot. I'm telling you. She wore that, <laughs> well, that dress and that thing under the dress, whatever that was. I mean, come on, two Mays? You kidding me? Two for the price of one? That was pretty awesome. Anyways, uh, you know, just uh, checking in with you guys. Uh, I know that, uh, I don't know how to tweet, but apparently I'm tweeting. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you can follow me on the Twitter. What is that called? Twitter? Yes. Uh, the Talbot Stash. For those of you that might be listening to this that aren't aware of me. Uh, what? All right, I got to go right now because uh, they're calling uh, Talbot to do a rehearsal for another scene. So I'll give you guys a call some other time. You know, I was a full beard once, you know. But then he got this kid. <laughs> it's kind of like having your arms cut off, but uh, I'm dealing with it. So uh, I'm a good one. Yes. All right. Talbot's, Talbot's stash, everyone. <laughs> Apparently he's learned to uh, leave voicemails as well as yes, Twitter, Twitter. Twitter. We uh, and the stash, us and the stash, or the, whatever the stash had fun pestering the New York Comic Con live yes. hosts. I'm gonna clip those on to the end of this episode. So if you ha- if you guys hang around. Uh, we'll do our spoiler bit or whatever we do last. We'll play the music and then I will clip in some Talbot stash <laughs> tweet reads on the Marvel live feed. And, uh, I think I'm going to throw the Clark Gregg showed up for Marvel live after like the signing that the shield cast did. And, uh, there's some fun stuff in there too. So I'll put some New York comic con stuff on at the end of, uh, at the end of the show. But thanks to the stash for leaving us. I think our, no, nah, maybe not our first voicemail. No, first voicemail in a while. First voicemail in a while. And how can everyone join in the fun on the voicemail? Uh, they can leave us a call at 972-798-3830. Fantastic. I mean, if a fake mustache can do it, certainly you can. It's a tough act to follow, isn't it, Russ? It is. It is a tough act to follow uh the whole bit with the plane was a little interesting um you know the 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 plane they they basically got uh that crazy spider looking virus thing on the plane obviously the fake may put it on there that was a cool little thing where she it was just like this hockey puck thing yeah and it grew all these crazy tentacles and and got into the computer systems uh and started kind of frying them one bit at a time uh, and so it was kind of cool. Uh, Hunter had to tie, uh, team up with Fitz to to fix it because it's like he knew what needed to happen, but just his whole, I guess, his um, fine motor skills aren't quite there yet, along with his, um, you know, his his speaking and his aphasia and stuff. So, and, and it seemed at the end of the episode when they share a beer that uh, Fitz is starting to come around. Yeah, a little bit, you know, a little bit. Um, 
the the brain's kind of a funny thing. It'll it'll uh, uh, it, it sometimes will figure its way out of certain things. So, uh, but it was kind of cool. I mean, it, you know, still he's kind of awkward uh, among that group, but again, he's trying to fit in. And every time he it it's a really cool thing they do, and I've noticed this a couple times with the direction on it. Whenever he starts to fit in with the group or participate with the group, when he looks back, Simmons is gone. Right. Uh, so that's that's kind of neat. Um, but I, I like that. I think the team is is kind of gelling together. I think they're. Uh, I I don't know. I just I just really like the personalities. I really like the way they're kind of fitting in together. I think much more even than, you know, than in season one. I, I just think having a little bit more of a robust cast uh, is helping out. Yeah, and and again, besides being a you know a departure from the usual in in what we've talked about already. You know, you also didn't get like a new villain of the week, or you or you didn't have Creel this time, right? You know, they're just opening things up for letting these characters do some more on their own. I mean, yeah, I mean, we had Whitehall and Raina showed up, but certainly the episode wasn't dominated by villains, right? And then we, you know, had the inevitable conversations between May and Coulson about the contingency planning like if if colson starts to go crazy and lose it you know it's up to may she's got to you know put an end to him and take over as as director of shield and it, it was kind of interesting because she kept saying you know look i am not going to put a bullet in your head you know i'm not shooting you in the head and she was real adamant about it and she's like you know i've already figured this out i've got a passport i've you know i'm going to dump you off in the middle of nowhere and until we could figure it out and colson was I, I thought it was cool because and it was a little weedy because you expect him to just be like, "Oh, okay," um, and he's like, "Nope, you you know you've got to do this because if if this happens, it, it's gonna it's it's gonna be bad, and it's just gonna get worse and worse and worse." Uh, you know, so you've got to put an end to it. Yeah, and he's worried about the team. You know, he's worried about the team knowing how bad he is and how far he's gone, and you know, May's you know basically telling him, "Look, they." They, you know, Sky kind of suspects something's up, but none of them know exactly what's going on. Uh, and the fact that this mission in particular was a little, uh, you know, them kind of going under under the radar for their own team even. You know, they didn't tell everybody what, you know, what the purpose, you know, that this was so connected to, you know, what's going on with Coulson. Um, and she even mentions, you know, his hand starting to tremor more often. So I think this is obviously a plot point that's going to play up. Um, I could see this maybe, uh, you know, being a, you know, point for the for the mid-season finale or whatever you want to call it. You know, maybe that, you know, Coulson's going to be in some kind of limbo or, uh, you know, his status will be a little questionable. Um, I hope they don't do the whole he turns evil for a while because he's kind of gone crazy. That That would be a little cliched. Yeah, I mean, we we don't know, you know, it made, um, damn it, Bill Paxson. That was his character. Garrett. Garrett, thank you. It made Garrett crazy, but was Garrett, you know, Garrett was evil already, right? I right. mean, Garrett was a, a Hydra agent that just became, like, more evil, so it sort of fit where he was, you know what I mean? Like, he was already in Hydra. It made yeah. him, like, really crazy evil for Hydra. So we don't know how it would affect Coulson, you know. 
being on the good side? Would he not want to be on the good side anymore, or would he just be acting irrationally, you know, from his position? Yeah, and he wasn't a... His dosage was probably way less um, potent than what Garrett took. Uh, He was self-aware of what was going on at a much later period of time. I mean, you know, Garrett, obviously, as they were doing as they were injecting him was was well aware of what they were doing with Colson yeah. he didn't become aware of it until you know much later now shouldn't there be a plan for sky i would uh yeah i, I would think so at this point because it seems strange at the time like when that conversation was happening that he didn't mention her like it seemed odd to me that yeah yeah because she is aware you know he told her you know what was going on with the with that serum right and i guess you know he's showing signs of it already with doing the alien drawings and everything so maybe you know until something pops up in sky if it ever does then i guess they're not concerned or or i don't know but and maybe too um you know they they know she's an 084 whatever that means you know so that that obviously throws you know, something into the mix as well. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it was kind of a typical, you know, heist episode, uh, you know, kind of covert mission. You know, again, we had the little bit of the switcheroo with May, which was cool. Um, and in the end, uh, you know, I guess the only other big thing is the, uh, the end, the, the stinger at the end was Raina and Daniel Whitehall, uh, AKA the Kraken. Uh, meeting up and him, you know, basically forcing her or forcing her hand for her to give up the obelisk. Right. Um, and I think he gave her 48 hours to give it up or he was going to basically turn her off like a switch. So. so that's still brewing in the background. Yeah. And like like I said, I, I mean, I think uh, I think Raina could be going to to uh, shield for help maybe or they may have to join forces at some point against Whitehall. I would think, yeah. Who's an interesting character, right, that we know that he's been around since World War II so that, that you know, what is he exactly? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yep. All those crazy Nazis. Absolutely. But a pretty good episode overall, I thought. I mean, again, just another solid, you know, I, I think, again, the buzz is a lot more positive. I'm, I mean, the numbers, obviously, on the viewership side aren't, you know, shooting skyward, no no pun intended. But even people that were, like, lukewarm on it or, or even a few people that have dropped off at the end of or last season are all in this season. I mean, I've, I've just seen it on Facebook. Uh, there's a couple other podcasts that are totally unrelated to um, – you know, to movies or TV specifically have, have been talking about how much better the show has gotten a, at the end of season one, but, but with season two, it's just off to a, like a shot and it, it's just been really well done. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's, uh, if it continues on this sort of path, you know, they're going to have a really strong show on their hands. Uh, you know, even the, f- I didn't hate the first half of season one, no. You know, I, th- I thought it was okay, and it definitely got better. And then, of course, since the Winter Soldier and, and you know, and S.H.I.E.L.D., the reveal of Hydra, you know, it's really taken off. So, 
And it looks like next week. Oh, should we do that? Uh, maybe we'll do that in a little spoiler section. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can do that at the at the end. It's exciting. Yeah. So we want to do. Do you want to do our ratings, and then we can talk TV ratings, and then I think we got a little bit of Facebook feedback. Okay. Um, I feel like I always rate these the same. I gave last week a three eight five because I said I can't keep giving them all fours. Um, I will, I will make this a three, nine, five. There you go. I like the, my fours are the ones that really tie in with the continuity. Um, I, I just like those better. Uh, but they are really upping the game, you know, in, in terms of uh, choreography and, 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 uh, special effects and character development and everything. So definitely a, better than last week. And, um, Good. Three nine five. I'll give it a full four. I think the May on May fight is what puts it over the top for me. I mean, that was just, again, really well done. I thought it was a, it was a cool thing bringing in the, the, the Mission Impossible Winter Soldier face mask thing concept was, was cool too. Um, so yeah, another, another solid episode. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's doing well. How did it, uh, how did it rate? With the viewers. It held steady. Uh, so we're at a 1.7, which is, that's the adjusted overnights, uh, which which is about, again, pretty, it it had a, it had more viewers overall, but not enough to kind of push it uh, from a rating point perspective. Um, so we're at 1.7. The initial was 1.6. It ticked up. Uh, but we're seeing... And it's funny because I commented on this on another thread on Facebook, but you know the Gotham numbers have been really, really high, um, and and the, apparently the Flash numbers stayed stayed pretty strong from the previous week. But it seems like these genre shows are doing way better in the plus sevens, like the plus seven uh, pickups for Agents of Shield, for you know Gotham, for Arrow are all very, very high, uh, and so I, I think. You know, again, broken record, but we talk about this a lot. I, I just think it speaks to that demo. You know, the people that watch the show like us that are into the things that we're into, um, you know, we don't watch live TV. You know, we've got too much going on, you know, between, you know, kids and family and work and everything else. Uh, you, you know, we just tend to watch it when we want to watch it. And a lot of us are just savvy enough to know, you know, yeah, I may not watch it at that moment, but. I could clip through all the commercials if I watch it, you know, a day later or two days later or whatever or whatever it is. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for the approach as well in terms of like why, you know, why is Gotham and Flash, why are those shows, you know, doing much better than S.H.I.E.L.D. or, you know, starting off stronger? You know, I think a lot of it goes into... Marvel is saving their big heroes for the movies. You know, it's a connected yeah. universe, but so you're never going to get Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and everybody because it's a connected universe, and they already exist in this other place. Right. Whereas, like we said earlier, DC's throwing it to the wind yeah. with continuity. So you can, you know, The Flash is a major DC hero on the TV show. Gotham, no, you're not getting Batman, but you're getting Jim Gordon, you're getting a young Bruce Wayne, you're getting the Penguin, the Riddler, Poison Ivy. I mean, those are major DC Batman family characters. Yep. Um, so I, I think that, 
you know, I think it's the plus and the minus of being all connected in the same universe or just doing it as a TV is its own thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the average Joe doesn't know Agent Coulson and there are all these new characters and doesn't probably know Mockingbird or Crusher Creel or any of them, but he definitely knows Jim Gordon and, you know, Poison Ivy and he knows sure. the Flash, you know, so. Again, pluses and minuses. We prefer the continuity. We're the real geeks. You know, we want it all to tie together. But for the average viewing audience, it's probably more accessible the way DC is doing it. And they don't care. Right. You know, it, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. We go back and forth, and Ken, you know, Ken is very adamant about the whole connected thing, and that's a much better way to do it, and blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. But we make up such a small percentage of the total, I'll say, movie going audience that nobody cares. Like my wife. Loves all the Marvel movies. She could care less that it's connected to any of this TV stuff. Like to her, right. like she knows Coulson. That's that's it. Like all this other stuff doesn't care. That that you know doesn't care a, a bit. Same thing. You know she doesn't watch any of the DC stuff. But but even if she did, most you know my in laws same thing. They they love they they they've gotten into Arrow and the Flash. They really like it because it's kind of a especially Flash because it's a little more lighthearted. But when the other movies come out, they're not even gonna think for a second about it being connected to the TV right. show. And if they did, they'd give it a win, you know, thought a thing. They give it a thought for a second. And once they realize that, no, they're two different things, they're not going to care. Right. They, they can't cater to the audience of comic readers. I mean, how many issues is the flash selling right now? <laughs> you know, oh. 15,000. I don't know. That's a guess, but less than 30, right? Less than 30,000 issues. So you're going to cater to those people. You put the show on TV and it's got 11 million viewers. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it works for both. It really does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think, you know, you just, you like what you like. I mean, to me, it doesn't, what DC is doing doesn't hurt my enjoyment of Flash or Gotham or Arrow at all. Um, and, you know, to me, I'm perfectly fine with keeping the movie separate from the TV. It doesn't, doesn't bother me a bit. Uh, and like you said, for the Marvel side, I think it's great. You know, I, I don't think everything has to be the same. I don't think that you have to say, well, Marvel's doing it this way. DC has to do it that way. I don't think to me, then what's the point? Because it's all the same thing. Right. Um, you know, I like variety. I like something different. I like to be able to just kind of turn my brain off a little bit. And, you know, if I just want to watch the flash, I could just watch the flash. I don't have to worry about anything else. And we might even like. You know, now with the Netflix series, it sort of breaks the mold. Like, yep. we might even like getting four seasons of Daredevil on TV rather than maybe two or three movies that would take six years to get lucky. released. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. And the Punisher might show up. <laughs> it's possible. Okay, so enough ranting uh, on that. Uh, so we got some Facebook uh, feedback. Uh, I put up a thread today just letting folks know that we we're going to record. Um, and Victor said, general MCU question, how deep did Hydra get? Uh, Rewatch Cap 2 last, and it mentions being a S.H.I.E.L.D. thing, but it seems to have infiltrated political, uh, the Gary Shandling senator, and military, Talbot. Uh, and I, I, I think that's... What I th I think Hydra was the main infestation just because that's where all the crazy tech and 
showing how uh, Arnim Zola was in on the ground floor of that of that deal. I think you know that's where kind of those seeds were planted and Project Paperclip and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think the Agent Carter series is probably going to help answer that question as well. Yeah, but I I think it was probably I don't I doubt he was the only senator that was either loyal or partial to Shield. Uh, I'm sure there's probably various elements of the military that may or may not uh, have been in on it, too. He put Talbot with a question mark, but I don't think Talbot is connected to Hydra at all. No, maybe he wasn't finished watching this episode of Could Ages be. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. <laughs> when, he, when he wrote that. Yeah, but yeah, Talbot is definitely not uh, not Hydra. Neither is his mustache. No. Uh, James Conner said, If Agent May went through with Coulson's contingency plan, could you imagine how cutthroat S.H.I.E.L.D. would become? They'd probably make Hydra look like Greenpeace. <laughs> um, uh, maybe. Uh, I mean, there's not much to shield as it is. I mean, we're pretty much looking at you know at that base. There's what maybe thirty people there total at this point. Yeah. Um, and I think you know if if May had to take out Coulson, I think it would be blaringly obvious why she would have to do so. So, um. You know, maybe at that point everybody'd be like, "Oh, screw this!" You know, it's just it's just one, you know, cluster after another. I'm out. But, uh, but I don't see that. I, a, I don't. It's I don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't think we're going to see Coulson go crazy and somebody have to shoot him in the head. No. No, I don't see that happening. Which which ties into our last comment from Adam. He said, "After watching this episode, it is clear that Director Coulson will die this season." Yes, really? he will die again. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I I don't I don't see that at all. I think they're setting up something to happen where maybe he goes a little rogue for a while or you know whatever. But I just can't see them making such a big a. They killed him off in Avengers. They've already gone down that road once. Uh, and b. They made a such a point of making him director. I don't see them making him director for one season or half a season or whatever. And then you know, having him check out. Yeah, he's, and also, you know, sometimes we talk about, well, I don't see uh, that person sticking with TV for very long. And he's a TV guy, though, Clark Gregg. And he has certainly, you know, taken this on with, you know, with open arms. He's loving it. And again, you're going to, I'm going to play a clip of Clark Gregg talking for, for Marvel at New York Comic Con, and you can just hear it in his voice. I mean, oh yeah, he loves what he's doing right now. So I'm sure it wouldn't be on his end that he would be looking to get out. That would be my guess. But uh, I don't know. You know, it'll be interesting if we're still going to get cameos from him in the movies. And, you know, I wonder what it's going to be like down the road. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it isn't, it isn't clear that he's going to be or not going to be in Age of Ultron. Uh so, you know, we'll we'll go from there. But uh but th- those are the comments. Like I said, pretty straightforward episode. Uh, you know, not a whole lot, you know, to say other than what we have already said about it. Um and just looking forward to next week. Yeah, definitely. So do we want to do a little spoilery section in case anybody wants to to check out? Yeah, let's do that. We'll talk about maybe the preview for next week. That sounds good. Yes. So, if you don't want to hear about the preview for next week, then uh, 
We'll see you next week. You can hang around if you want to fast forward to the very end. You can hear the other stuff we're going to clip on. And um, visit us at hhwlod.com for all our great stuff. Do we have a name for next week? A hen in the wolf house. A hen in the wolf house. And that hen is Adrian Plicky. Yes, it is. Uh, So... The official description is Coulson's team is up against the beautiful and deadly Bobby Morse, security chief for Hydra. Meanwhile, Sky's father forces Raina to reunite him with his daughter at any cost. Uh, and the cool thing about this promo, well, there's many cool things about the promo, uh, but they show Adrian Palicki and she is convinced that they're, she's zoning in on the traitor within Hydra. And she pulls out the dual batons and starts flipping them around as she's walking down a hall. Which the the batons are a signature mockingbird weapon from the comics. Yes. Now, to your knowledge, has mockingbird ever been uh, on the evil side? Yes. Oh, okay. I think. I think it had to do with brainwashing before she was killed. So they killed her off for a while, and she came back. Spoiler for the comics: uh, she was on that secret invasion ship. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so, which which kind of played ha- havoc with uh, Hawkeye because they were married, and uh, yeah, and it, she has a bit of a convoluted past because she like went to hell and was brought back, and so it got real funky with that happens. Yeah, with how she was a scroll if she died and her body didn't change and all this other kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think before all that was going on, and I wasn't really reading a lot of her character at then. I, back then, I think she was uh, on the on the bad side. But for a long time, she was she was not. Season finale of Agents of Shield. Bobby Morse gets shot, falls to the ground. They look over her body. Scroll. I w- I would lose my mind. Season three is the Scroll invasion on Agents of Shield. Dude, that would be. So much awesome. Uh, and, I, and it totally fits into that, you know, sleeper theory that we were talking about last week. You know, yep. like, who else is a scroll? You know, anybody could turn at any time. Yeah. Yep. Scrolls are shape-changing aliens for the non-comic. For the uninitiated. I don't know who we're talking to sometimes. Yes. Know? I don't know. Yes, yes. Um. <laughs> And the other bit, I guess, with spoiler news, which is kind of what we talked about earlier uh, in the episode is, and this relates to Avengers Age of Ultron, so if you don't want to hear wild conjecture that may or may not be true, uh, again, you could fast forward on. Uh, but in talking about the whole Civil War thing from earlier, there's rumor that at the end of Age of Ultron, that Cap secretly pulls together a new team of Avengers that, that's kind of going to pave the way. Uh, we don't really have any idea who these people are. I read something today that was wildly speculated that on the on the anti-registration side of the whole Civil War thing would be War Machine, Cap, Scarlet Witch, uh, Scarlet Witch, yeah, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and uh, the Black Widow. Which is interesting because Rhodey actually is a colonel in the U.S. Air Force. Yeah. And the Falcon. So... It'll be interesting to see uh, if any of that plays out, but but supposedly uh, some of the setup for what comes down the road is going to be is going to be laid out in 
Age of Ultron. And whether that's the the teaser at the end, the the credits, post credits teaser, or whether that's actually a part of the main movie itself, or whether it's complete and utter nonsense, hard to say. Right. And I'm, I'm still holding out hope that that secret project that Katie Sackhoff went on was to film her scene as Captain Marvel. That would be awesome. Yes. Absolutely awesome. But I guess that's it. Uh, it's a little bit of a shorter episode than last week, which is probably a good thing. Uh, although, John, you've got, what is it, like eight minutes with Clark, Clark Gregg at the end here? Yeah, it's about eight minutes with Clark Gregg and the Marvel folks, and then we're just going to do some quick tag-ons of uh, the live tweets by... The, the reading of live tweets by a mustache. Yes, 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 which is a lot of fun. Uh, so definitely follow at Talbot's stash. That's two S's. Uh, and, of course, you can always follow at MCU Podcast. Um, check out the Facebook. The email, IAC at HHWLOD.com. Uh, and check out HHWLOD.com for all the cool stuff that we have going on at the network. Like we talked about the DC TV podcast um, and just all kinds of cool stuff uh, that we have there. All right. So until next week, you've been listening to It's All Connected. See ya. Uh, Talbot's mustache. Wow, that's great. That is What the are your best. thoughts on awesome facial hair? I feel like this is more for Ryan to yeah, answer because you can't uh, put facial hair, right? I hope and not. And I can barely. Like, this is weeks. But I feel great about facial hair. Yeah, it, it, it makes it's everyone like happy. Clothes for your face. Yeah. Um, and then we have, again from Talbot's mustache, who wins? Ward's beard, Sky's bangs, or Talbot's stash? On Agents of Shield. Oh, this is a great. Wow. That's a great question. A really That's a great question. question. That's a thinker. Why did but, we give that one to, to uh, Colt, um, Clark Gregg? Because we just got it two minutes ago, John. Okay. John, certainly <laughs> heckling you from um, camera. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my money on the mustache. I'm gonna Talbot's go. Uh, mustache. Yeah. Sorry to not argue, but yeah, Talbot's stash is like when I see that, I don't Majestic. even. I don't even remember that's Adrian Pazar. I'm like, who is that? Like, who is this? Who is that beautiful mustache? Exactly. <laughs> and Talbot's mustache has a question for us, which is, when is the last time you guys have seen the sun? Oh, a week or so ago. <laughs> I don't know if he's commenting on the fact that we've been here for so long or that you and I are both, like, fairly pale. Uh, Talbot's mustache is asking... He's back. Are you guys hiding Rosario Dawson somewhere in there? Yeah, she's in the helmet. Yeah. She's so you tiny. You caught us. Rosario, come out to play. Hey, I'm going to tell this mustache. One, where would we be hiding her? Two, why would a star of that stature consent to be hidden somewhere in here? Yeah. Think about what you're asking. Yeah. I'm disappointed in you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Talbot's mustache says spider stash could catch on next year. Talbot's mustache spider has been stash. kind of, he's been very much a uh, wild card this weekend. Yeah. Spider never know what stash. we're going to get from him. Uh, Talbot's mustache says, you guys are loopy. I think there's scotch under the Iron Man helmet. Nice. Uh, no, but there's scotch in my future. You better believe that. Yeah. Uh, what else? Let's see. Brought to you by Marvel's Contest of Champions from Kabam. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M. And I, of course, am Lorraine St. Host and writer of Marvel's The Watcher. And we have a very 
very special guest. Who's coming? You, Mr. Clark oh. Gregg, air Fine. director. Thank, thank you so much. Welcome. You just came from a signing. I just came from a signing. How so was amazing it? Amazing fans at New York Comic Con. Really fun. Really fun. Oh. A lot of people with some uh, of the New Shield comics oh, cool. and some posters from the new season. It was very exciting. I, I gotta ask, how is it seeing your seeing Agent Coulson in, in the comic universe? He's still Agent Coulson all around. Like he's everywhere now. Oh yeah. It's pretty neat. I love it. I, there was there was a variant that had a uh, Deadpool with an RPG in Lola. <laughs> I almost became Deadpool at that time. <laughs> I love it. You know, to add comics to my collection that have me in them, it's pretty, it's, I can't even talk about it. Let's talk about something else before I start crying. Oh, it's going to be okay. <laughs> well, now, they call Colson Cheese a lot in the comics. In the comics, yeah. Any, any chance we're going to see that on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? It's not something soon? I'll be actively supporting. <laughs> Fair. I'm not quite sure where the nickname. I've heard a couple of uh, takes on it. I don't know. You know, I'm always surprised. Our writers, uh, they've got their hands full with this uh, second season that we're kicking off now. I never know what's going to be in the new script, and I wouldn't be surprised at some point if a new nickname came about. Although, so far, the new one, Director... I'm liking that nickname so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the second season premiere was huge. You guys, like, bam, right off with the action, right off the top. Uh, how has the response been for you guys? It's been, really, it's been really amazing, really encouraging. It was, you know, it was tricky last year. You start off with a bunch of new characters, and, you know, the comics, we don't have a lot of new characters. There's so many S.H.I.E.L.D. agents from various runs that they can pull from, and so we started off with new people. We couldn't really talk too much about where it was going. And then uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier came and annihilated S.H.I.E.L.D. And then, <laughs> you know, it all paid off with uh, the former director, Fury, showing up with my favorite gun and uh, no. making Coulson director of S.H.I.E.L.D. P.S. S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So this year, we're on the run. We're hunted. There's about nine of us in a George Foreman grill and a couple of <laughs> firearms. And, uh, and being underdogs feels good. Yeah, I, I love, uh, like you were talking about, I love the new cast, but Kyle MacLachlan, we're just getting a taste of him now. Oh, amazing, yeah. amazing. Sky's dad, oh all God. that stuff. And it's really, to me, really rewarding to see some of the amazing new cast members from last year and this year. But, you know, to have people just freaking out about what happened to Fitz, is he going to recover? Oh. Simmons last week, all these characters, everyone's so absorbed with all these characters they got to meet last year. And then our new ones, uh, the amazing Nick Blood, we had... Briefly, Isabel Hartley, by, played by Lucy Lawless, and sadly, it's, it's, it's a rougher and tougher world at 9 o'clock on yeah. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. People are, uh, people are uh, getting killed off. For sure. And we know you're a really big comic book fan. Is it cool getting to see some characters like Absorbing Man and Mockingbird from the comics and getting to... Nobody see tells me anything. So all of a sudden I get a script and I see the last... Just someone says Carl and I think... Wait a minute, nope. and then I see Creel, and I, it's Crusher Creel. That's it, and you know, then we shoot it, and you don't get to know until you see it that our amazing visual effects team, led by Mark Kolpak, is delivering this oh, yeah. guy turned into diamonds, turned into something that looks a little bit like my friend Groot. <laughs> and I think, is this a hint? Are we going to get some crossover, some Guardians? We don't know. Oh. No. Well, we have lots of tweets, I'm sure, coming in. We for have a you. couple coming in. You guys use hashtag MarvelNYCC. Mm -hmm. One from Sophia, who's, uh, who's. Oh, Sophia, how's it going? She, oh, hey, refresh your browser. <laughs> right? Yeah. We're having some so technical issues. Refresh your browser. Not, not even prompted. Thank <laughs> you. Because I, I need any refreshing you can do to this mug, I'll take it. Uh, Sophia, who's in Spain, been watching us every day. She says, uh, I love you, director, but who leads the way when you're dancing with Ming Na? Oh, yeah. That's a really good question. Te amo. Uh, Sophia, um, you know, while, while Agent May would like to lead, she knows better. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. when Bailando comes comes across the floor um, <laughs> to uh, you know go over the head, even on the dance floor of director Colson. That said, you'll see there's a moment or two where she kind of takes over. <laughs> I bet. It, it seems like your relationship has really evolved between the two of you. Uh, do you feel like there's a dynamic shift since this new season? It was really hard last season when it was clear that she was keeping secrets. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of Colson's journey last year was he'd been a company man working for an organization that keeps a lot of secrets, and suddenly a lot of secrets were being kept from him, including one that had to do with what he was doing alive. Right. And she was involved with it, and she's kind of his oldest, closest friend, and then some. And uh, so there was a big betrayal, and it was really ugly for a while between them. But I think that really got straightened out. Now she's the only one who really knows his other secret, which is that he's up all night carving in an alien language to be named later. And, um, you know, she's, she's the one who gets to pull his plug if he can't pull it together. Ooh. I wish I didn't feel like she job. was a little bit hoping it goes that way. <laughs> <laughs> Director uh, May. Hmm. Doesn't sound too bad. She thinks she it has thinks a very nice sure. ring. I bet she does. Uh, Michael W.S. Uh, says, Hey, Clark, what's been your biggest fan reaction you've gotten since playing Phil Coulson these years? Um, I thought you were dead. That was one of them. It really has evolved so much. Uh, at first, people, you know, hey, say hi to Tony Stark, and then say hi to Cap, and but don't get too close to him because you're a little scary with him. Um, I don't know. People are so... What made Coulson seem to pop, I think, is that he... He's clearly a bit of a fanboy himself. He's been to some cons. He has his, his cards he wants signed. He and I share that. And um, so in a way, he's kind of, he's the avatar for the fans. He is them in this world and someone who's kind of not super trying to do a job that requires a lot of superhuman faith. Yeah. Uh, whereabouts in the season are you guys right now, like, in production? Um, every time you ask a question, I think, am I allowed to tell him? <laughs> I mean, that's a normal reaction from anyone at Marvel when talking about anything. It's true. Um, we're shooting, finishing up episode seven, about to start episode eight. And my mind has already been blown four or five times. I read episode eight on the plane, and the guy next to me was, was going, why are you gasping? I, said, I can't oh, tell great. you. I can't tell you that. A bunch of fans were just like, no, 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 when hearing that. Um, what else we got? Um... Fans want to see more cameos from you. Uh, Sophia says, thank you. Your Spanish is too much, she too says. That's a nice much. way of saying, no good. <laughs> uh, and then Trish uh, Trini has one that we may or may not be able to talk about. How does Coulson plan to keep Sky in the dark when she's so very inquisitive and savvy and, uh, you know, put, knows the right buttons to push? I'm trying to think what there is that he's keeping her in the dark about. Oh, about the fact that he's writing in this language. That's a really tricky one. Certainly as director of S.H.I.E.L.D., he doesn't get to be as open with his original team because it's not safe for them, and he just has to make tougher choices in a world where he's trying to rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D. with such small resources. I think he's, uh, you know, he doesn't get to tell everyone. It's, there's a great line in the episode that aired last week where Fitz asks if he has more secrets, and he says, yeah, I got a hell of a lot more secrets. I'm the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Well, let's make some non-secrets. Can you tell the fans where to find you? You're very active on Twitter. You're very interactive with, with all the fans, which I know that they love. Where can they find you? I'm uh, at Clark Gregg, mm -hmm. and uh, I have an official Clark Gregg Facebook page, and we live-tweet the show with most of the cast, oh, yeah. a lot of the guest cast. Kyle McLaughlin's joining us on some of the tweets. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, we'd love to have you participate with us. We love getting your reaction yeah. to the stuff that we're doing and some of the stuff that's coming up. I'm very curious what your reaction might be. Ooh. Yes, indeed. And of course, tune in and watch Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. every Tuesday at 9 p.m. on ABC. 8 Central. And whatever you do, please refresh your browser. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with even more on Marvel Live. This is Marvel, your universe.